Imagine taking the plunge to transform your life, to leave behind a profession in nursing and become a coach. And not only that, to then start on another multi-year learning journey to also become a psychotherapist, requiring a significant investment not only in time, but also in energy and money. I really attribute my whole change in life, in mindset, everything to do in that course. It was what I look on as a pivotal point in my life and was a total life changer. Welcome to the Curious Coach Podcast. So buckle up as we travel around and explore the world of coaching. Here's your host and professional coach, Stephen Clements. In this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Eileen Hopkins, a former nurse turned coach, award-winning Toastmaster, ACC credentialed coach with the International Coach Federation, and soon-to-be qualified psychotherapist. In this interview, we covered a wide range of topics from finding a niche to Eileen's experience and training to become a psychotherapist, self-care and self-compassion, and much, much more. So let me hand over to Eileen to introduce herself. Okay, my name is Eileen Hopkins. I'm an ACC coach. I'm a former nurse. I uh, am now, for my sins, uh, back in college doing a degree in psychotherapy while working as a coach. Plus, I'm 55 years of age, and anybody who does this in their 50s needs their head examined. But anyway. So, maybe if we started by how did you come to go from nursing into coaching? Would that be a good place to start? Yeah. Um, well, I was nursing over 30 years. I reached burnout in nursing. On reflection, I'd say I reached it more than once, but I definitely reached it once. And I, I suppose I started to reflect on life, where life was taking me. And I looked at the option of, co- of, of taking early retirement at that stage, which I was very lucky that I got. So I took early retirement in 2015, was very lost for a few months. What am I going to do? Whatever. And then I decided to train as a life coach. So I started my training at the beginning of 2016 in the Irish Life Coach Institute. At that time, I had chronic pain. I had, it was mainly back pain and I was really struggling big time with it. I had had surgery in 2012 and just lots of issues, most of which I now recognize as having had a strong emotional component. But anyway, so I started the coaching, said to the guy who was running the coaching, I said, look, I'm not going to be able to sit for long. I'm going to have to lie down. So in I go to the Maldron Hotel the first day and I lay at the back of the class uh, on a cushion on the floor, feeling like crap, feeling so inadequate, uh, self-conscious. And, you know, sometimes when one of the lecturers would ask a question, I would comment. And I remember one, one, at one stage, the first day, 
Marion asked something and I commented and she says, oh, is that you there in the back, Eileen? And I was mortified, but I'm, I vowed that I wouldn't be there for long, that I would be up. And second weekend, I hardly lay down at all. The third weekend, I sat the whole time. And what I started to notice happening for me was I was doing something I loved. I was really enjoying it. And the quote I used to describe this is from Tony Robbins, where the focus goes, your energy flows. And when my focus started going into something that I was incredibly passionate about and interested in, my pain levels started to drop. So that was a huge thing for me. You know, I had been, when I started that course, I was taking morphine for pain. Mm. Within five months, I was on no pain relief at all. Wow. Yeah. So I really attribute my whole change in life, in mindset, everything to do in that course. It was what I look on as a pivotal point in my life and was a total life changer. Mm, wow. Life changing in, in many ways by the sounds of it. So when, when you chose that course, did you know what you were letting yourself in for at that stage or? No. No. <laughs> no. I had spoken to a friend those few months I was off that I was lost and she was actually, she's a psychotherapist and she would always have been very patient with me and I was moaning. I was in, oh, what's left for me? I've left work. And she says, Eileen, there's so much you can do. Do you have to get up and go out there and do it? And she said, would you never think of life coaching or, you know, something like that, that you're working with people, you're a real people person. And I went home that day and I Googled life coaching. I knew a bit about it, like I did know a bit. And I thought, hmm, I like this. And I looked to see what courses. And the first one I rang was the Irish Life Coach Institute. And their course, course was starting two days later. I was there two days later. Serendipitous and uh, it, it all worked out. <laughs> or maybe impulsivity, but whatever, yeah. <laughs> and then can you tell me about your journey to getting your ACC? Yeah, well, as I said, I trained in, in 2016, graduated in the September. Um, I had a, dream, a vision from the start that I wanted to work to specialise in the area of pain management because of my own experience, plus my background in nursing. And there was a lot there, you know. And so I, I thought... Yeah, that's what I would do. Now, in hindsight, I didn't really do my market research, didn't do all the things that they say you should do when you're setting up. And what I found, like I marketed myself solely as a pain management coach initially. And I went on and did a pain management practitioner diploma as well. And I did a NLP practitioner. So I'd done all those around the same time. But what I found was for many people with chronic pain, for I'd say 60-70% of people with chronic pain, they're not working. They're, most of them are in receipt of a disability benefit or whatever. Their um, medications are covered. They have a medical card. So to go to a doctor, they can get their medications, they can get the procedures done and not have to pay. But they come to me and they have to pay. And lots of people wanted to come, but nobody wanted to pay, or very few people. So I realized I was essentially putting the cart before the horse for myself in that. 
So that was after about a year, I realized I had to repackage myself, I suppose. And I had done the diploma in, in career coaching at that stage too. So um, I broadened it while I still offer pain management coaching. I do general life coaching and career coaching. Last summer, I decided to look at going for my ACC. And so that was a journey in itself. It was, it was a brilliant thing to do in many ways. One of the things that really stood out to me about it was doing the mentoring and going back and really focusing on the core competencies and really working on them. It was like a revision in a lot of ways. And it was, what was lovely about it was there were plenty of things that I was doing. I was saying, oh, I'm not sure if I'm, my approach is right here, if I'm contracting enough, I'm re you know, and it really, it was a brilliant thing to do. If I never got the ACC out of it, to do that two years down the road was brilliant. And I would so recommend it to anybody. In fact, I still go for supervision and that sense because I see the value of having somebody there to sound off, you know, what I'm doing, what the thing, yeah. So then, yeah, obviously went and did the ACC, did the, the exam, did the whatever and got it. And it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, really. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm struck by is the amount of learning you've, you've done in that journey. You know, it wasn't just you did this coaching course 2016. Then there's, you, know, you mentioned what NLP, um, career coaching. You know. Yeah, it's like, wow. I think I got hungry for, I didn't do a degree for my nursing. It was the old style training. And so this was my first formal learning in a long number of years. And I would have done little courses when I was nursing through the years, but this was my first one in a long number of years. And what I really found was how the learning and the teaching had changed and how that really suited me. Like interactive learning, class participation, um, group work, so different from being in a class where somebody's standing at the top and talking down to you and you're trying to absorb it. Because around that time, I also found out that I have ADHD and I've had ADHD since childhood. And learning about how I learn and this whole style just really suits me. And the, I suppose the, the other piece that I was um, struck by there was how quickly you found a niche for yourself that embraced, that seemed to embrace all the different parts of you that, that brought everything together very, very nicely. Yeah, I see the possibility there for so many people. And it's so lovely to bring a person to a place of possibility when they're in a place of no hope. Like, it's just, it's so amazing. You know, it really, really is. Like, I was working with a client for a good while there, and he's really bad migraine, a young guy. And I remember the first time he came, he said words like he said, I can't go for this job. I can't do whatever. And I just invited him that day to just say, at the moment. And he came back to me two weeks later and he said, those three words have changed my whole outlook. It's as if the door opened a glimmer and the light started to shine in, you know, and it's, it's not that I'm doing massive major things, but just to see how 
little things that somebody can make such a difference and help them to reclaim their life. It's just, it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm struck by that. What's that uh, phrase? Words create worlds. Yeah. Which is so true. And like what he even said to me that time was he went home and he told his wife about this. And when he would be in a hopeless place, which he was quite a bit at the time, she would say, what about those three words? Mm. As you reflect back on that part of your journey, you know, so coming from nursing into learning about coaching, NLP and everything, is there any part of that that you would have done differently now that you look back? No, and you know, I've been asked that even um, in college now, because I'm doing the degree in psychotherapy. And some people are saying, but why did you do coaching first and then psychotherapy? And I know now that the value of my coaching, like I went into that degree in psychotherapy with, and I'm not trying to be big headed, but with so many skills that none of the rest of them had. Like I had the whole coaching approach, the whole effective communication, active listening, contracting, create and trust, report the whole competencies. And it, it made that part of it so easy. Like some people who do both seem to do the psychotherapy first. But a few people even said to me, gosh, you've really done it the right way. You know, that the, because the coaching so, brings so much to it. And, and was that always part of a, a bigger plan that you had in terms of coaching psychotherapy or did that not at all no. happen? <laughs> not at all I'm very impulsive as I said I have ADHD and impulsivity is one of the things and I'm classic so <laughs> no I started with the life coaching and I thought that was it during the life coach training, we had to do four sessions with a professional coach. Um, and the coach I did it with is also a psychotherapist. And I remember maybe the second session I did with him, I really liked his approach. And a few times what he would have said to me, even in the coaching part, he'd say, he'd name it, he'd say, now, this is a little bit more psychotherapy. Are you okay with this? And I loved how he was able to merge the two, but also been very clear what was coaching and what was not coaching. And towards the end of the fourth session, I decided to do some more, to do personal therapy with him. And after a few months, I thought, I want to do more of this. I really, I can see how both of these together and individually can really complement each other. And I remember talking to him about it and I thought he'd say, what? But he said, yeah, I'm really glad you've come to that decision. And so it just took off from there. Then I applied and then I had to come up with the money. Like it's only cost about 23,000 to do it for four years. So it's, been tough but like the, in the beginning when I started the psychotherapy I felt I was getting quite confused because even in the skills work in class I was very much more coaching and then if I was with a coaching client and I was veering towards therapy I was feeling really guilty I said oh my god I'm not doing pure coaching or I'm not you know 
And again, that's going back to the importance of, like I have a coaching supervisor and I have a psychotherapy supervisor. But now at this point, what I find when I meet a new client and I'm contracting, I explain that I'm a psychotherapy student as well. And that would they be okay if I used a bit of that approach, if, if and when necessary. And I say, I always name it with you. And that's what I do. And I think they compliment. That's what I find now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I suppose maybe this is a good time to clear up the difference between coaching and psychotherapy, because I think it's something that a lot of people may get confused by. And I think there's no better person than somebody who's studied coaching and somebody who's studying psychotherapy to maybe give me your opinion. To me, psychotherapy is working on situations in your past that are affecting you now and in ways maybe affecting, uh, preventing you from moving forward in areas of your life. Whereas to me, coaching is situations or areas in the present that are stopping you from moving forward. But in that, like I must say, and I know some coaches will be very, I suppose not nervous, but cautious of addressing any past issue with the client that's affecting them from moving forward. But as coaches, I think there's so much we're skilled with. Like, I mean, obviously I would know, even now there are clients I would still refer for therapy. But I think sometimes we undermine how much we have, how much we can help a person with and work with a person with as coaches. And obviously knowing when it's necessary to refer them on. And that has to be in it. And I suppose there are coaches potentially who would look at anything that's in the past. Oh, that that's therapy. We shouldn't even go there as coaches. Or oh, it's emotions. Oh, oh not touching those. Um, and it it does seem that it's such a shame because that's where there's a lot of value to be brought brought by coaching, and you're still you're still in the line of coaching, not not psychotherapy. Exactly, and you have to be clear that you're still in the line of coaching. Like we all have situations in the past. They may not be affecting us enough that we need therapy, but it's, it can be even understanding how they're stopping us now from taking the next step, maybe with the job, with, with whatever, you know? Like I have to say now, the skills work in my coach training surpasses the skill work I've done in my psychotherapy training so far. I, I would imagine, I suppose, or I have a, have a, maybe a perception or a misperception that for the psychotherapy, that it's a lot of theory and a lot of um, academic stuff that you need to know. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, there is. And it's understanding the theory. But the way I look at it, even, either as a coach or a psychotherapist, when I'm across from you as my client, it's me that's there. I have a box here on my left with all my skills, but I have a box on my right with my life learnings. I may dip in and out, but it's me as the coach or the therapist that's in front of the client. And so it's so much about the relationship. Yes, it's, it's remembering that it's a, it's a real human being sitting across from you. Um... I suppose then I'm curious about the, so the, your, your very expensive and long lasting impulse uh, decision 
do a a four-year uh, psychotherapy degree. Um, can you just, I suppose, give me a rundown of what's what's involved in that in those years that you're. Oh, okay. Well, yes, as I said, it's four years um, and you have your, your training, your time in college. So I was doing a weekend a month, but now I do a weekend every fortnight, but now I'm doing every Wednesday. So that's my, that's my college day. Aside from that, then I see psychotherapy clients. So I see four clients a week. So that's Monday. Then I have to do supervision. I have to do one hour supervision for every five hours of client work. So essentially I'm doing supervision every week and my own personal therapy and personal therapy you have to do during the course. To be honest, I'd be doing it anyway because the whole stuff brings up so much for, for you, you know. So it's the cost of all that too. You know, you have to pay for your supervision, you have to pay for your own therapy. Um, and Sometimes I see people saying, you know, I have to do 25 hours in the four years and kind of just get into that. But it's it's more than that. It's, you know, like every week going into my supervision, being able to talk about my clients, talk about how I approach things. It's teaching, it's learning in itself. You know, it's one. It's like a one-to-one teacher. So, so there's sort of, there's a lot of practice and skill development. And the, I suppose, over the the different years, the academic pieces, are they introduced in different um, pieces of theory or techniques or is it, yeah, can you tell me? Yeah, there's like, you you know, in first year we did uh, humanistic person-centered and obviously the skills in all that. Then in second year we did CBT and third year psychodynamics and um research my dread so you know and then in fourth year apart from the thesis we do an an extra module it's either for me i'm going to do advanced humanistic because there i feel that the humanistic merges it's it's it applies as much to the coaching as the psychotherapy you know, the person-centered approach, the humanistic, I just love it. Just, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose I'm curious how, so setting aside Eileen as a psychotherapist for a moment, thinking about now Eileen as a coach, how have you changed as a coach and done the three years so far of psychotherapy? It's changed in so many ways. I would be a lot more authentic and real with my client now coaching and psychotherapy um, I would disclose as in it'd be appropriate professional disclosure as I saw fit for the client and it's even in that that was something I always thought was no 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 way but now if if there's something I want to share I pause for a moment and I say to myself is this for my client or is this for me? And if the answer is it's for me, I don't say it. But if I feel it's something that will help the client, maybe with something they're trying, you know, working on, then I will disclose. Um, my self-care has ramped up massively because it has had to with all this. Um, been able to say no 
been able to step back and say, okay, this is what I need now. I'm very much more mindful of all that. Like for me, even, you know, sometimes if I get, and I do get overwhelmed with the stuff and the self-care can slip a bit and I really just have to keep reminding myself, okay, Eileen, you really need this at the moment. And it's, you know, and compassion, more compassionate with myself, you know, and actually I'm doing my thesis on self-compassion. Yeah, just feel, I think personally, it's something that I found to be so important. Like I can give and give to the world, but forget about Eileen a lot of the time. And, you know, how would I treat somebody else who was stressed or upset about a college assignment or whatever and trying to treat myself the same way you know and so in the middle in the middle of third year I've just finished a one-year course on compassionate inquiry with Gabor Matty just to fill in the spare time. Was that another impulse or? A... No it wasn't actually because I love his work I've loved his work for years and they started this course and it's one year and it was online and with Zoom and I've worked with people in Canada, in New Zealand, everywhere. And it's been amazing. Absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really enhanced my work, both as a coach and a therapist. Mm, fantastic. And and it seems to complement your what you're saying about your thesis, um, Eric. Well, yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like it was even been compassionate to myself with the thesis. There were so many amazing things I could have done the thesis on. And I said, what do I know the most about? What am I most passionate about? And that's what came up. And I said, okay, do what I know the most about and be good to myself. I'm, I'm, I'm struck by how it ties into your authentic self as well, in terms of working in that area of pain management and people looking after themselves and you're effectively looking after yourself so you can be that effective um and i have to be the role model like i mean if i'm not looking after myself how can i because i do a lot of talks with some of the pain charities and on looking after yourself with pain and do you know if i'm not doing it it's you know it defeats everything like you know and you're so your actual your thesis itself um, is. Can you would maybe tell me a little bit more about what what is what area is it you're within self care are you researching or theorizing about? At the moment, because I haven't, I've only submitted the research proposal now. But what I'm looking at, uh, I did primary research already, and it was on uh, student therapist attitudes to self compassion. And um, what I plan to broaden that and add on to that is how more self-compassionate helps us as therapists and as coaches, because I think this applies to coaching too, helps us to be more compassionate with our clients and with people around us. You know, and if, if we're not compassionate with ourselves, that we can be compassionate to others but what a lot of the research has shown especially Christiane Neff and Chris Germer's research shows is that we will eventually burn out you know or we're more at risk of burning out that's and I suppose because I did burn out before and like so many of us going into coaching and into therapy are empaths 
and strong empaths. And when we are strong empaths, <coughs> our risk of burnout is increased. Which is, a, yeah, as you say, that the whole area of self-care becomes very important, as does all the other support mechanisms around supervision and, and alike that, that we need as coaches. So I suppose I'm curious, um, where is where is it going next? You know, once you finish your 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 psychotherapy degree, like so, at the end of next year, what you'll be? What what's the qualification you'll have? In the summer, in a few months, hopefully, I'll have the diploma. And many psychotherapists now have only gone to diploma level, and so I'll start to be able to, be able to see paying clients then. But I will go on and do the other year for the degree, and that'll be my thesis. And Sorry, so the, the diploma, sorry, the, the three-year diploma is the minimum that you need to be a licensed practicing psychotherapist in Ireland? Yes, at the moment, but Koru are, in, it's in the process of being regulated. So once it's fully regulated, we'll have to have the degree. So like I will do the degree now, you know, because if I left it, I'd never go back. <laughs> so then you were saying that so the, the degree is, is your thesis? Um, yeah, and I think what you were saying, where do I see it going? I love the whole area of, of body work, the somatic, even the, where I'm doing my placement, they do a lot of body work and I just love that whole area. My own therapist is very much body based and somatic and like I think we hold so much in our bodies and we often, especially if it's too painful, we just dissociate, we just, it's a protective mechanism. Like I know for me with my own pain, so much pain is related to trauma. In fact, 70% of people who develop chronic pain have experienced previous trauma in their lives. And I was one of those. And it was starting to work on my own trauma that made a difference to my pain. And that started with the coaching. Mm. You know, so I started to become aware. And is that then coaching the coaching or psychotherapy for the person on the trauma which then feeds through into the somatic in the body or are they related in a different way or well i'll give you like a simple explanation like if i'm working one-on-one -on -one with a coaching client even now and say the client is saying something about yeah and that talking about maybe a situation in work and i felt really upset i felt very hurt when that happened and if I see them getting a little bit emotional or something, or even if I don't, I'll usually say, what are you noticing in your body when you're telling me that? What's happening? And usually they'll say something around their chest or sometimes their shoulders tightening. And I might go on from there and say, is it okay to stay with that for a moment? And um, I may invite them to breathe into it. Now, I wouldn't do this in an initial session with somebody. You really have to have good trust and rapport with a person to be able to, you know, for them to feel comfortable to do that. And it's helping them, like, you know, many of us know people who we work with who have a lot of anxiety, stress, whatever. And it's even learning to know where you're holding that in your body and what you can do yourself with that, you know. So that's where I even see it merging in the coaching. Mm, bringing that awareness to what's going on inside that the physical 
carrier of our, our absolutely body. Yeah, yeah absolutely and like we all have it to some degree or others we you know for me i know i hold my stress around my shoulders mm. you know and i know like now if i get soreness around my shoulders my shoulders are sore instead of saying oh my god what's wrong with my back now i will say okay Ali, what's happening what's going on and i'll usually be able to look and see okay such a thing happened yesterday i'm a bit worried about her i'm a bit upset about something so i'll listen to my body more i suppose and, yeah, yeah. Hmm. and to jump back to then when you finished your coaching course you found your niche and then realized the the, the marketing piece was the, the challenging piece you know getting people to pay for yeah for that service how are you going to market yourself once you finished your your degree and you're you're now a, a psychotherapist a coach well in this yeah my business at the moment is sale coaching so sale is the irish for life so at this point in time i see the name just changing to sale coaching and psychotherapy that's i think I, at the moment, I feel I want to keep that because it's part of me. Um, I'm at the moment where I'm trying to decide whether I want to go into practice, whether I want to set up on my own. Um, I'm not there yet with that, to be honest. Um, I know I won't ever work full-time because it's, it's... What I would love ultimately is to do some teaching and some speaking and um some therapy coaching so i think i would love the the variety you know mm. what struck me there was taking um in terms of say ireland as 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 the example a lot of people will have heard of and know what a psychotherapist is and what they can do and then coaching is still this term that means different things to different people and I suppose what are you as you start to talk to people about you know obviously you're, you're, you're going down the down both those routes are you doing anything around awareness yes like what I would find like in my psychotherapy clients my psychotherapy placement there was one client actually in particular and I suggested to him would he consider going to co obviously couldn't come to me for coaching but I suggested and he was saying but you're do therapy and I said then I was explaining to him the difference and I actually really felt he would benefit from the goal-centered approach you know to just you know the I just felt he, he he seemed to work well with that and I but it is it's 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 educating people around it and I still think even though I feel our work as coaches and I still feel a lot of my work going forward will be coaching but I think therapy at the moment has more credibility, especially in the, I suppose, in the medical area, definitely, you know. But I see a huge place for coaching. Like, and I suppose the reason I got into pain management coaching, like I did a lot of research with New Zealand, Australia, Canada and what they were doing. And it is so much part of what's offered there but here it's still not like a lot of the clients that come to me have gone everywhere they have literally and they're desperate but before I would take a client on for pain management coaching I'm very clear I will always say 
I'm not promising that I'm going to take away your pain. I can't promise that. But what I can say is that if we work together, I will help you to live better with your pain. And for many people with chronic pain, I call there's primary pain and secondary suffering. And primary pain is the sensation, be it your back, your leg, whatever. And secondary suffering is all the emotions that come with that, like anger, frustration, denial, everything. And I would tend to work with people at addressing those. And often when they start working on those and identifying them, becoming aware of them first, their pain levels start to decrease. And I see now going forward how psychotherapy in that area can really, you know, because so much pain is trauma, you know, so it's, you know, working where the person is and they may come to me initially for pain management coaching, but we may move into therapy if and when it's mm. with their agreement, yes. obviously. And and at least then you, you have, you've, you, with your training and qualifications, you have both options covered then at that stage as well so yes it's managing those boundaries and and being clear and the Mm -hmm. it's the client's choice then and like even now even though I'm not qualified as a psychotherapist if I have a coaching client who I feel needs therapy I will use therapy as part of it a little bit but if they feel they need pure therapy I will refer them on even now I'm very very careful about uh, separating the two for you know when it needs more work hmm. and you still envisage your 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 niche and your area of exp- your area of speciality will still be in that pain management space yeah i think it'll be trauma the body and pain and it's it can be i think i will still keep a bit of what i would call more broader coaching as in you know general areas um, because I do find pure pain management coaching, if you're doing it consistently, it can be quite draining, you know, because there's a lot of low mood, a lot of disillusionment, lack of hope, depression, you know. So I think, and that's where, like, I mean, my speaking and my teaching end of it, will, oh, yeah, I did train the trainer course too. That's in the middle of everything, yeah. <laughs> I did that in the middle of the degree too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So was that maybe why was that why you were only doing a part time degree? I'm doing a part time degree full time. Yeah. Yeah. So you could do yeah. all these other things in. in oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But store is closed now. Nothing else. That's it. <laughs> Until the next impulse. Until the next time. <laughs> Um, I suppose yeah. Let, 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 should we touch briefly on 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 your speaking? Oh yes, my passion in life. Yes, that's a, another whole area of of toothmasters and competitions and winning great things. Um, yeah, so don't, don't tell us about that. Absolutely, I I joined Toastmasters in just after I qualified in the coaching. Because I remember one of the lecturers on the course and I was listening to him one day talking and I thought, oh my God, he sounds so good. He really, and I was talking to him afterwards and he said, I'll enjoy Toastmasters. And I said, Toastmasters? And then I started to look into Toastmasters and I joined it then a few months later, joined it in 2017. And I just loved it from the start. Like the first few weeks when I went, I kept my head down. I didn't want to look at anybody. 
But I just took off from there and entered my first competition a few months later and won it. And I remember somebody saying to me, I can't believe you've never spoken publicly before, Eileen. And I said, yeah, I know. And I remember going home that day and remembering when I was 12 years of age in first year in secondary school, I won an award for being the best speaker at some debate. And nobody ever took anything of it. And like my mother had a small child and there was loads going on. And I never spoke publicly again until 2017. And, you know, I, I've told this to a few of my friends who have kids and really to say to them, if your child has something they love, do it, nurture it, encourage them, do you know? And, you know, I don't hold that against my mother. Like she had a lot going on and that was just, that was then, you know? But yeah, then I went on and last, last May, uh, I represented Ireland in the UK in Toastmasters in the International Speaking Contest. And I got to the final, I got fourth in the final. and. Oh, it was amazing. It was just, it was the best thing ever. So, so I've been coaching some people in speaking and, um, like I've, you know, and it, some people who are especially going for interviews and have presentations and like there's so much more presentations and interviews now and so many people that can go do the interview, but it's this presentation. So it's so fulfilling to see, see them going from, oh, to, you know, and like one guy I coached recently, he had never spoken. He wanted to speak at an event. And so I coached him for it. And I, I had to leave the room. I went to the event. I had to leave the room crying. <laughs> I was just so brilliant. And sometimes like the guy I'm working with at the moment who's doing his best man speech. And, you know, he just wants to surprise everybody on the day and be able to speak. A very shy guy. And I'd say he, he's getting married the end of December, but I'd say he'll do brilliant. I, I love, um, I use, when, even when I'm in Toastmasters helping people, I really use a coaching approach with them. Like some people, you know, will say to you, I have to do this speech, will you do it or whatever? And I'll say no. So I'll kind of bring them along and I'll show them how to structure it and I'll work with them on it and give them feedback. And But it's very much, I use, really use my coaching in that. You know, I love it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I can just see you lighting up as well when you're when you're talking about the, the speeches and the competitions and. But it's even the people you meet when you're doing it. Like you know, I met some amazing people. You know, especially over in Norwich at the event. And it, it's just lovely. Yeah, my my dream now in the next year, and it will happen. I put it out here. I will speak at a big public event, big as in big, and what I want to talk about, and I have it more or less written, is my experience of mental health, my personal experience, and giving people hope. I suffered from depression for years. And to give people hope where there is no hope at the moment. And that's my, that's my, that's my 2020 ambition, along with getting a diploma and doing the thesis. And yeah, so it's there somewhere. <laughs> and I can see all these threads yeah. have a connection. Yeah, they do, they do. But what happens, this is the thing about ADHD, is when I should be doing an assignment, I'm writing a speech because I love doing that. And then there's crisis because everything is left behind. I'll put my focus on something I love. Ooh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm super excited to look forward to, to hearing um, hearing that 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 big speech um, and presentation at, at, in 2020. You will so get an invite. I will be listening out out for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose as we're just conscious of the time as as we wrap up, um, what what advice would you have for coaches starting out? at the on their own journey you know as as they've done their training they're they're heading out they're trying to fight, figure out who who are they as a coach what's their niche all that sort of area so if you look back what what's the piece of advice you wish somebody had had told you at the time that would be useful yeah um well i think to work with the coach and I know most schools do insist that you do some coaching sessions with a coach. I think, because when I look back, I learned so much from my coach, his approach with me. And I think the other thing, and I didn't start it straight away, was coach supervision. I think it's, it's from a business point of view, and it's to get a supervisor who will work with you on all that. Like now, my supervisor works with me on my business, on my coaching approach. You know, so it's the whole package, you know. The other thing that I did do, and I would really recommend it to anybody starting out, is start your own business course. It's run by Enterprise. It's, I think it's about 100 euro, 150. You learn so much in that, you know. Um, and I suppose the other bit of advice I would give where I slipped up was not doing my market research on the area, on my niche area at the time. But I know that time after a year when I decided that I needed to broaden, I never regretted that year because I felt I learned so much in that year. You know, and and the other thing, and it's a bit of advice I was given when I qualified by somebody who came in and talked to us, was the power of saying yes, even when you want to say no. Like there were things that I said yes to in the first year or two, that I got paid practically nothing for. And like a couple of years later, I am getting clients after clients from those. You know, at the time, some of these things, like I remember once somebody asked me to do a stand at something and I hated it. I remember being there saying, oh my God, this is awful. This is not, this does not sit with me at all. But oh, I got so much work from that as a result of that. So it's it's saying yes sometimes when you really want to say no. Mm -hmm. Very good advice. Eileen, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and to hear about your, your journey. Um, and yeah, I wish you every success in 2020 and really looking forward to that that big, big presentation. And Good luck with your finishing the diploma and, and doing the research. Thank you. And I just want to say at this point to all coaches out there, you're wonderful people. Don't undermine yourself. You have so much to offer and enjoy the journey. Thank you. What I loved about this interview was how inspirational Eileen was. That you can set out to achieve what you put your mind to and not to be defined by a label. And the importance of self-care and self-compassion along the way. Thank you, Eileen, for being so open, generous and authentic. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, please don't hesitate to send me an email 
to stephen at stephenclements.ie and that's Stephen with a PH. Full details of this episode and corresponding show notes along with details of all the other episodes can be found on my website at stephenclements.ie forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and until next time, don't forget, stay curious.